Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, you've reached the Motor Mouth Mosley Radio Show, calling in from the Man Cave in Rita and Georgia. Today's topics, we're going to talk about the week in review. We're going to touch a little bit on what happened last week, and then we are going to get a little prep work on what's the best news of the year, and that's that it's football season. Football's about ready to start. All 32 teams are in camp, so we're looking forward to getting some games underway. As of Sunday, we have our first game, which will be the Cowboys against the Dolphins in the Hall of Fame game. But, uh, again, we're going to start off with talking about uh, the big news of the week, which was uh, the Ryan Braun uh, suspension in Major League Baseball. He was part of the biogenesis scandal. He got suspended for 65 games for alleged PED use, performance-enhancing drugs. And the interesting thing about his suspension was that initially when it was brought up, he denied, he denied, he threw people under the bus. He said the lab screwed everything up. Uh, He was a victim. Uh, He stood by his innocence altogether. And now that it's come out and it seems like Major League Baseball and the investigators had so much evidence against him that he came out this week and admitted to it. It wasn't anything heroic that he did because basically he was back into a corner and he had no other choice but to come clean. And baseball actually negotiated with him, and instead of giving him a heavier sentence, they suspended him for the remainder of this season, which is about 65 games, and it's actually only going to cost the guy about $3 million bucks. Now, to us, that you know, normal guy on the street, that sounds like a lot of money, but that's about a third of this year's salary, uh, what he's making. I mean, the guy has plenty of money, so it really didn't hit him in the pocket. I'm not sure if that's a deterrent. We had a show on earlier in the week with Glenn Blacks, formerly of the Milwaukee Brewers and Cincinnati Reds, and he was on and he was talking about it. We also had a caller who basically tried to do the same thing, and that what Major League Baseball needs to do is come down harder on these guys when they're uh, convicted of doing these things when they uh, have jeopardized the integrity of the game, you know, a little slap on the wrist, you know, 60 game, 65 game, or a 50 game suspension really isn't going to hurt any of them. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the younger guys, especially your potential superstars, uh, will take a chance and go ahead and, and use these supplements to uh, better their career knowing that if they are caught, it's going to be a, a, a fine at minimal and a suspension, which really isn't going to uh, affect them a whole lot. But back to the Ryan Braun specific situation, was like I said, he initially blamed everybody in the world that he was the victim and they had done him wrong. He was rather arrogant about the whole thing, actually. And fortunately enough, the way baseball worked it at the time was <laughs> when he initially passed his first test, uh, flunked his first test, it was right before the announcement of the MVP for 2011, which ultimately Brian, Ryan Braun won over Matt Kemp, who a lot of people, Glenn Bragg included, and myself, thought that he wanted uh, the award uh, and not Braun because, for one, uh, Kemp did it on a team where he basically carried the team and he almost put up triple crown numbers, which for you non-baseball people would be average uh, home runs and RBIs, and 
uh, Ryan Braun had a lineup where it was much more stacked. He was much more protected, so that means he got better pitches because you have people like Prince Fielder around him in the lineup. So a lot of us believe, like I said, that we, we kind of figured that, we, well, if we had a vote, it would have probably gone to Matt Kemp of the Dodgers. But now that it's come out and all this is happening, Kemp has basically said that, no, he doesn't want the award this way, but he does feel like they should take it away. But I got a feeling if they did take it away, that he wouldn't be really upset by taking it. You've got some of the bobbleheads on television basically saying that you can't do that. And, you know, then how far back do you go and take things away from people for things that they were later accused of? And to me personally, this is a, a fresh enough wound that you could take it away and reward it, uh, reward it to Matt Kemp. Uh, the Olympics does it after if you won a race and come back to find out that you tested positive for some foreign, some banned substance, that whoever was a silver medalist now moves up and gets awarded the gold medal. So I don't see why you can't do that with baseball. Uh, at least for individual awards, you can't do anything about the games that his performance actually affected, but you can do something about individual awards, I think. Uh, but a couple of his friends and former teammates have come out uh, more recently and talked about how they feel about the alleged uh, well, not a legend, but actual betrayal that they feel uh, for protecting uh, Braun, the former pitcher for the Brewers at the time, uh, who is now with the New York, with the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, Zach Greinke. Uh, he came out and said, "quote unquote," that Braun was willing to use anyone in his past. The closer he was to you, the more he would use you. The main thing is, yeah, he lied to us. He forced us to lie for him, threw people under the bus to help himself out and didn't care, blamed others for his mistakes. Now, this is a guy who shared the locker room with him, was a teammate, went to war with the guy, and this is how he feels that he's been betrayed by Ryan Braun, uh, a good friend in the Milwaukee area. Uh, to Braun was also Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. They were known to be uh, rather tight, and Rodgers came out vehemently and supported his friend, which is what friends do. Uh, but now that this has all come to light, Aaron Rodgers was quoted as saying, I was backing up a friend who looked me in the eye on multiple occasions and repeatedly denied these allegations said they weren't true. And according to Aaron Rodgers, he says it doesn't feel great to be lied to like that. And I'm disappointed about the way it all went down. So not only does Ryan Braun have to deal with some major league suspensions and, and, and a loss of paycheck, but he's alienated some friends and very much so disappointed some friends. Now the fan base, baseball fans are kind of fickle. They, they, you know, they'll, they'll give them a hard time on visiting uh, uh, news when, when the Brewers are visiting other teams, but more than likely this will all blow over. He'll come back next year. He'll get a little heckled, but all will be forgiven. Uh, that's just the way baseball is, and that's you know, kind of reflective of all sports and, and for the most part, society. So we'll see how that affects the Brewers this year. They're not really, I don't think they're really in the running this year. They're not one of the top teams. Uh, they're competitive, but I, I don't see them actually making a move. They've 
pretty much had a fire sale and gotten rid of most of their quality players. But this will definitely help uh, hurt attendance because Braun was one of the top young players in the league, and he has now uh, given the game another black eye, which he didn't need. And uh, soon the follow-up will be probably a suspension to Alex Rodriguez, for the same thing, because he also was connected with the biogenesis scandal, and supposedly the investigators have even more evidence against him. So they're looking at either 100 games or maybe even a lifetime ban, but A-Rod's got his own issues. Not only does he have to deal with what's going on with this biogenesis scandal, but he's having an issue with his own team. The Yankees, oh, it's a soap opera. It's like as the world turns or young and restless or something. Alex Rodriguez has been hurt. He's back healthy. He wants to play. Had a light, a, a slight setback the other day, a slight muscle issues, hamstring or quad. And instead of bringing him up from his rehab assignment, the Yankees have postponed all of that. Uh, so A-Rod went out and got his own second opinion from his own doctor. And now I think Brian Cashman, who's the – GM with the with the Yankees uh, is all upset again uh, after having a tiff with them a few weeks ago. Now it's a whole other tiff that Eli shouldn't have done that, and according to the collective bargaining agreement and the union, that he he wasn't allowed to do it. So I mean, here you are—you have a player who wants to play, who says he wants to play, and you have an owner who's basically dragging their feet about putting him back on the field. Now. The rumor is that there's also an insurance policy that if A-Rod doesn't come back, that the team collects a bunch of money and they don't have to pay A-Rod. Well, they do have to pay A-Rod, but at least now the insurance money will cover it. It's just a mess. It's baseball. It goes back. Baseball uh, soap operas have gone back to the Chicago Black Sox. It's just there's always something with baseball. So enough about baseball. We've wasted a good 10 minutes on baseball, not wasted, but we informed you a good 10 minutes about baseball. Now let's talk about the sport that means everything to everybody. Yes, all 32 teams are now in camp. They're prepping for their preseason openers. Most teams have four. Some teams have five preseason games. And right now, you know, your stars pretty much know where they're going to land. You don't need a whole lot of work out of them. Basically, they're fine-tuning and getting their timing down, but you got some young studs that are coming in and they're trying to make uh, a career out of this. So there's a lot of uh, competitiveness going on 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 that level with some of the younger players. Uh, As of this coming Sunday, as I said earlier, we have the Hall of Fame game, which is held at Fawcett Stadium in Canton, Ohio. If you are a football fan and you have never been to the Hall of Fame, I would strongly advise you to schedule the vacay up there. I went there a few years ago, back in 2002, I believe it was, and it was a great, great time as a football fan to be in that surrounding with all that greatness and see the bust, and it was just unbelievable. So if you're a football fan, I'd highly recommend it. But the game will be playing next week. Uh, So we've got, of course, Mike, Mike and the Cowboys, and the Miami Dolphins, who have gone through some changes over the last couple of years. New coaching, new young quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, uh, some some players in, some players out. You've got They picked up Mike Wallace from the Steelers. They drafted Deion Jordan out of Oregon to be a stud on the defensive line. So not that you'll probably see much of these guys played in this game because it is a preseason game, uh, 
and the evaluations will be spread out over four to five weeks, and they're more interested in looking at some of the younger players. But it will still be football. You'll see some guys that may not be on teams in the opening day, but then you may see some guys that no one expected them to be on rosters opening day, and they may make a splash, whether on these two teams or someone else may pick them up if they get cut or put on the waivers. Um, as for the Cowboys, uh, if you're expecting to see Tony Romo, or as I call him, the Romo Coaster, if you're expecting to see him, you won't. He had all-season back surgery. He had a cyst removed. We don't know how serious it was. It was very vague in the details. But we have him not going to play. Uh, Kyle Orton, backup quarterback, probably won't get a lot of playing time. He'll get a little bit, but it won't be a lot of playing time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you'll hear a couple of names of players that you've probably never heard of. And, uh, and Nick Stevens, a quarterback out of Talton State who has one year of experience under his belt, and another quarterback by the name of Alex Janney, or Canny, uh, out of Monmouth. And the best athlete to ever come out of Monmouth is playing wide receiver for the Cowboys, and that's Austin, uh, Miles Austin. So you won't probably see a lot of the marquee players. You won't see much of Des Bryant. You won't see much of uh, Ryan Tannehill. But you'll see some younger guys get to play. And, of course, as I said, it is at least football. Now, the big highlight of the weekend, because the Hall of Fame weekend is one of the uh, showcases of the league every year, the showcase, the, the big event will be the induction into the Hall of Fame of seven, uh, six former NFL players and one former NFL coach. And I would like to spend a little time on, on those guys because some of those guys are the guys who I cheered for and against uh, in my younger years. They're all, you know, maybe a little bit about my age, but a little bit younger. But they're uh, some of the great names in NFL history. Um um, we'll talk about uh, a little bit about some of those players. And uh, as for the game itself, uh, I believe that 31 out of 32 of the NFL teams have at one point in time played in the Hall of Fame game. The only team, great trivia question, the only NFL team never to play in the Hall of Fame game is the defending Super Bowl champion, Baltimore Ravens. Never played in it. Kind of interesting. The team with the best record all time in the Hall of Fame game, Washington Redskins are 5-0. and Again, it's a preseason game. Meaningless stats really doesn't mean anything. doesn't say much about how your season is going to do because I know teams that have gone 0-4, 0-5 uh, preseason and then were very competitive during the year uh, and some have won Super Bowl. So uh, some teams use the preseason as a way to learn how to win. Some teams use it more as a – uh, evaluation of players, and then they go from there week one. Uh, as of these two teams that will be competing Sunday, the Dolphins are 0-3 all-time in Hall of Fame games. The Cowboys are 1-3. So as you can tell, uh, for the most part, these teams really don't put as much emphasis on this game as some other teams do. Uh, as I said, most teams have four preseason games. I believe these teams will, will get a fifth one. So that gives them much more time to evaluate uh, talent. The inductees this year to the Hall of Fame, and if you're planning a trip up there, if you're a former Cowboy fan or uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan or 
Minnesota Vikings fan and you want to see some of your former greats, even Tampa Bay, you want to see some of your former, your former greats play, the tickets to the enshrinement are only no, it's only a $30 ticket, basically, once you get there to get to the enshrinement. Uh, you see a lot of people sitting on the lawn and uh, basically it's turned into a picnic. So, you know, $30, you know, road trip up there is a great weekend. Uh, if not, uh, the actual game for a preseason game, there's 93 tickets left, and the price of the tickets are $123. That's where they start. So maybe that's not in your budget. But a quick talk about some of the players. Uh, let's see. We'll start off with Dave Robertson, Robinson, linebacker. <clears throat> Drafted by the Packers out of Penn State. Uh, let's see. He was a uh, first-round pick in 1963, which was you know way before your time for some of you people. He was a three-time All-Pro. All NFL three times, and he played made in the three Pro Bowls. He was part of those great Green Bay Packer teams with Nitschke and Taylor and Bart Starr and Paul Horning. He was all a part of that. And uh, unfortunately, it was a name that I really didn't recognize. But again, uh, he was a, 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 an integral cog on what they were doing back in those days, and they were dominating. Another player was defensive end uh, Curly Culp. I remember watching him play as a kid for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was a defensive tackle that came out of Arizona State. He was actually drafted in the second round by the Denver Broncos, but he was traded during training camp, and he ultimately ended up going to have a great career with Kansas City. Again, Willie Lemire, um, some, of the, some of the great Kansas City Chiefs teams with uh, Hank Schramm as the head coach, uh, uh, Fred Hammer Williamson, you know, those guys. So he was Part of some great teams, made the Pro Bowl six times. He was Defensive Player of the Year in 1975, and he made All-Pro. Uh, again, a name that I do remember, great football player. The one non-football player who made it into the Hall of Fame this year was head coach Bill Parcells. Parcells coached with the New York Giants, New England Patriots, New York Jets, the New Dallas Cowboys, just the Dallas Cowboys. So he, his claim to fame was he turned around all four of those franchises, even with the Cowboys, they were struggling. And no, they didn't get back to the apex and win Super Bowls, but he got them back on the right track. Talent was improved, but he got both the Patriots and the Giants into the Super Bowl. The Giants he won twice with, I think, Hostetler and Phil Simms, a quarterback. Uh, he had 172 regular season wins. So his credentials, you know, if you go down on the list, he's probably one of the top ten coaches of all time. Um, not one of my favorites, not even when he was with the Cowboys, but still yet, one of the all-time greats. You're listening in, just a reminder, you're listening in to the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. You can call in at 347-945-7975, or you can reach us on Twitter, or you can reach us on Facebook, Motormouth Mosley, MM Mosley 24 on Twitter, or you can hit us up on AOL at motormouthmosley.com. Again, if you go to our site, you can actually click on the PayPal, make donations. If you'd like to uh, sponsor a segment or sponsor a show, we can negotiate that with you also. We've got about 10 minutes left of the show, and we've got uh, good four players to, to go over real quick, so we'll make it real quick. Uh, one of the best linemen to ever play the game, uh, played left tackle for the uh, Baltimore Ravens, was the first-round draft pick out of UCLA, fourth pick overall, and I'll touch on his draft status a little bit, a little bit later. Uh, Jonathan Ogden, 6'9", 345 left tackle. Six-time All-Pro, 
all AFC nine times, 11 Pro Bowls, and he was the Rookie of the Year in 1996. Now, his rookie year had some great players, and he had some uh, not-so-great players also. Uh, his rookie, his draft class included Keyshawn Johnson, Kevin Hardy, Simeon Rice, Ron Phillips out of Nebraska, Tim Biakapatuka, and I just wanted to say his name, but he was also in that draft, Marvin Harrison, who will be a future Hall of Famer, and, of course, the great Ray Lewis and Eddie George were part of his draft class. But yet he was the rookie of the year that year. So uh, Jonathan Ogden, 2013 inductee into the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame. Another player coming out that's going to get inducted is Warren Sapp. Uh, Mr. Personable, Mr. Charisma, uh, no one talks smack better than him. Well, maybe Lawrence Taylor. He was a 12th-round pick out of the U, also known as Miami, University of Miami. Like I said, he was a 12th, uh, 12th overall pick for Tampa Bay Bucks, 96 and a half sacks, four straight all-pro selections. He was the 1990s and the 2000s all-decade team. He made seven Pro Bowls, and he was the 1999 Defensive Player of the Year, Mr. Warren Sapp, will be a Hall of Famer. Uh, probably the second greatest wide receiver statistically to ever play the game, Chris Carter. Carter was a fourth-round pick by Philly in supplemental draft. He had some issues in Philly, really didn't perform that great there. You could see the talent in him because we I watched him at least twice a year. And you can see the talent in him, but he was—he had some issues. He had some issues with the press. I believe there were some drug, drug situations that went on early in his career. But he straightened his life out and straightened his career out and went to Minnesota and had a stellar career. He had eight straight 1,000-yard seasons. Uh, he had 130 touchdown receptions, uh, 1,100 receptions overall. And both of those, when he retired, were number two in the history of the NFL, only behind the great Jerry Rice. Chris Carter made eight pro bowls. Uh, you knew his career uh, had potential to be great because his first catch was a 22-yard touchdown against the then St. Louis Cardinals. But, after, like I said, after three years in Philly, he traded to the Vikings in 1990. I believe he's had to wait about three or four years to actually get inducted, and it was rather painful because his stats wanted him being there, but because of some of his off-the-field and uh, off, some of his off-the-field issues, the selection committee somewhat delayed his selection, but it doesn't matter at this point now because it doesn't matter if you went first ballot or second ballot or fifth ballot. The fact is, Mr. Chris Carter, out of the university, out of Ohio State University, is now a Hall of Famer. And of course, last but not least, to go into the Hall of Fame is none other than the Dallas Cowboys' own Larry Allen. Larry Allen was a second-round draft pick, and that says a little bit in itself because Larry Allen didn't go to the University of Ohio, the University of Miami, uh, Ohio State University, USC, Penn State, Texas, Alabama. He didn't go to one of those schools, but yet he still was drafted second round out of Sonoma State, uh, I doubt that if anybody listening other than Dr. Mario could give you the mascot of the Sonoma State football team. Uh, at the end of my little speech, I will tell you what they were. Uh, but Larry Allen played most of his career as a Dallas Cowboy. At the tail end of it, he spent a year or two with 
the San Francisco 49ers, where he was still a viable option at playing a guard. He played guard and tackle, made all pro in both, was one of the best players at that position in the league, in both, in both positions in the league at the time. He was known as one of the strongest players, but also one of the most athletic players because there was a tape of him running down a pass interceptor, quarterback at the time threw a pass interception, and here is this lineman, his rookie year, I believe it was, running down basically a skilled player and tackling. So, I mean, he's he's an unbelievable athlete, but he's unbelievably strong more than anything else. He was uh, all pro seven straight years, number 73 for the Dallas Cowboys. He made 11 Pro Bowls, and he was on the all-decade team for both the 1990s and the 2000s. So you're all the same class going into the 2013 class will consist of Barry Allen, Chris Carter, Warren Sapp, Curly Colt, Jonathan Ogden, Dave Robinson, Robinson, and Coach Bill Parcells. I don't know if you plan on listening to it or watching the induction ceremonies, but over the last few years, you have seen some of the greatest speeches, in my opinion, in the history of sports. Uh, you can go back to the Gale Sayers, Brian Piccolo speech from back in the 70s is one of the great ones. Uh, you can touch on, uh, personally for me, of course, uh, you can touch on the Dallas Cowboys uh, trifecta of inductees, um, Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman, all extremely, extremely emotional and heartfelt speeches. Add Deion Sanders into that, talking about his family and what it took for him to take care of his mother. And uh, so you, you will have the opportunity to potentially uh, – Lawrence Taylor was one of the great ones. Uh, one of the great speeches, a Walter Payton speech. Um, there's, there's just so many great ones that you can go back and probably Google on YouTube. Well, guys, you can Google them. You can check them out on YouTube and see some of the great speeches in NFL history. But it's a great time for that class of NFL greats to get together. It's a great fraternity to be a part of. And, again, once you're in it, they can't take you out of it. There's, you will always have that moniker attached to your name. And... None of these gentlemen, none of these gentlemen should have any question about whether or not they belong in that fraternity. All of them are great football players, and most of them are great men. Uh, you still can see Chris Carter do some uh, analysts, uh, analyzing on uh, the sports networks during the games. Absolutely wonderful. Warren, Warren Sapp also, uh, great personality, does a great job. Very edu- very informative, but yet he doesn't try to talk over you. He talks to you. So, you know, some of these guys I am absolutely looking forward to seeing and hearing their speeches on uh, Saturday evening. It should be a great time. Hopefully we'll see a great game. Uh, I don't expect much because it is a preseason game. You have a bunch of guys trying to make the team and a bunch of guys you would like to see play. You won't see play for about a month. But on the other hand, it's still football. It's still the greatest game in this country. Again, you're listening to the Motormouth Mosley Talk Radio Station. We've talked about what's been going on in the last the past few week week. We've talked about uh, Ryan Brown. We've talked about uh, some football, and just wanted to say thank you for tuning in. Um, 
I hope you have a great week. Hope everybody will be in front of their TV sets on Sunday and Saturday watching the enshrinement and watching the game. Um, baseball's still around, so we'll get more excited about it down the line when it gets a little bit closer. Uh, still rooting for the Braves. Still rooting for my Rangers to overtake uh, Oakland in the uh, American League West. But uh, the big news right now is we've got football. So have a great week. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you're listening in on the archive uh, edition. And, again, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Aloha.